This episode of the DLU podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the DLU podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. This podcast is a Believe Network and Luciete production. Welcome to another edition of the DLU Podcast, brought to you by Believe Network. I'm your host, Derek T. Lewis, and we have a fun and exciting show for you all today. But man, this past weekend uh, was pretty busy. You know, of course, I was at the Monster Factory. You know, we had um, the show Adrenaline, and every wrestler, you know, really brought their brought it. You know, they brought the energy. The, the crowd ate it up. They really enjoyed it. Huge shout out to the brand new MFPW Heavyweight Champion, Wet Brett Waters, and I started at the factory I think around the time he did and just to watch him grow over the past four and a half years has been incredible to see and um best wishes to him on his journey um, holding the big belt the big green belt as we like to call it and of course you know Sunday I had to I had to take my I had to take a trip up to North Jersey and meet up with um about my music project that's coming very very soon I can't believe it's almost here and when I'm at liberty to unveil it, I'll definitely give you all a sneak peek on here. I'll give you a snippet on the show. And you'll, you'll know it when you hear it, so I'm excited. Well, this week's episode um, is near and dear to me. You know, Obviously, it's dealing with the world of professional wrestling. When you talk about a guy like the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, one of my absolute heroes in the world of professional wrestling, both as a fan and now being involved in the sport, being in, in inside the business now and really understanding his philosophy on why he did the things that he did as a, you know, as a producer, as a, as a booker and, and everything in between. And I had the opportunity to interview one of his daughters and she actually runs the Dusty Rose Foundation. Her name is Teal Rhodes. And we go into detail about the A&E documentary on Dusty. We talk about the Dusty Rose Foundation, you know, growing up in a wrestling family and having, of course, her two brothers involved in the business. And let's not wait any longer. My interview with Teal Rhodes starts right now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is probably one of the most important interviews that I've done since I relaunched this podcast back in January. Um, this individual, I we've we've known each other in the uh, Twitterverse. Um, we met maybe yeah. three years ago, I want to say, and I don't know. We just I don't know. It's just one of those things, and we didn't even talk wrestling. We were talking pop culture stuff, and she we obviously 
she, you know, she's wrestling royalty, but being a fan of her father and being a fan of both her brothers, this is really an honor for me to have this individual on the show. Her brothers right now, the natural Dustin Rose, he's a producer and also one of the wrestlers in AEW, her brother, the American nightmare, Cody Rhodes, current WWE superstar and one of my heroes, the late great American dream, Dusty Rhodes, who I watched since I was a kid. But I have another piece of the wrestling royalty, and that's the one and only Teal Rhodes. Thank you so much for coming on to the DLU podcast. How are you? I'm great. Um, thanks for having me on. You said it best. We've been, um, er- we were early Twitter friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and it, it, right off the bat, you know, I had an opportunity to watch the any documentary on Dusty. And to say that it was emotional for me is an understatement, but every story has its beginning. So let's talk about the beginning for you. So let's talk about childhood, you know, growing up between Charlotte, Atlanta, Tampa, and Texas. Yeah. So, um, you know, back then, um, Dusty was always behind the scenes as well as an in-ring talent and his, um, his in-ring career, you know, was winding down. Um, So we did move a lot. We moved when, you know, they were in Charlotte with Crockett. And then we moved, you know, to Texas briefly. That was also, I think, a Crockett move. And then um, in between, we always moved back to Florida, Tampa, where I was born, my mom's hometown, Um, obviously Florida Championship Wrestling there, and ended up in Atlanta, the metro area, when um, Turner, you know, bought WCW and um, Dusty was based here in Atlanta. Okay, got it. Okay, so in regards to that, so just being able to move around a bit, was it, what was the experience like being being able to see all of these different parts of the country? Um, it was great. Um, we are a close-knit family, and I think that part of that, um, the reason uh, my younger brother Cody and I are so close is because we did move a lot as kids. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely not always fun to move when you're little. So um, it's good when you have a built-in friend. Uh, So, but I, I definitely can't say that I enjoyed um, moving around so much, but it was just our lifestyle. We just got used to it. Yeah. Just hearing stories about the territory days. I'm talking about even talking about in the seventies and in the eighties, as far as, you know, some wrestlers may be in one territory for six to eight months. If they're wrestling for, let's say Don Owen out in uh, Oregon, and then they have to go down to, let's say Minnesota with, with Vern Gagne or down in Texas. Minnesota was a a big one for Dusty before he met my mom, but um, he spent a lot of time with Vern up there. He loved it up there. He learned to ski there. Um, but yeah, back then it was definitely you're in the car. You're in the car mm-hmm. on the plane. Yeah. Indeed. No buses. No, no, <laughs> not the luxurious lifestyle now for sure. No bus culture back in the day. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Maybe a greyhound. That's about it if you're <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, when did you realize that wow, my dad's a professional wrestler, he's on TV. So what age did you realize it? And what was I guess was it was it shocking or Tell me a little bit more about that. I just think I always knew. I don't think it was um, shocking. I think I knew early on that we were a different family from, uh, this isn't when, you know, there was, you know, 
the area we live in in Atlanta now, there's lots of pro ball players, lots of athletes down the street. But, you know, we moved into kind of conservative type communities and we were always kind of the Adams family. We used to joke um, in the neighborhood. But I think that um, I knew he was famous pretty early on because I went where he went. Mm. So, you know, you know, the back of the arenas, you know, shows, things like that. I didn't really understand kind of the scope of it until I was much, much older. Got it. Got like it. college. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Now, were you ever a fan of it? Was I mean, I guess, obviously, you know. Yeah. Okay. I so- was. Yeah. I was a wrestling fan. Um but really I was a fan of his. And then, you know, later during the big WCW days, I definitely had some favorites, but yeah, I was always a wrestling fan. Wrestling was just a part of our lives. The way some families do, they camp or they, you know, do certain things together. You know, we were a wrestling family. Got it. Got it. So when did he let you in on obviously the big secret in regards to, this is all work or anything is like that. When, when, when did, did you discover it on your own? Never. Or did he... never. <laughs> we never once ever had any conversation about uh, wrestling, um, you know, so-called, you know, being fake or not being real or anything like that. Right. I always understood it as a movie as storytelling and, you know, you don't want to know the end of a movie when you sit down with your popcorn, you know, as the right. movie starts. But we never um, had that conversation because I, unlike my brothers, wasn't, you know, breaking into the business or trying to get into the business. I just kind of liked the magic of it um, on its own. And he would come in and do a career day at our school. And I know some of the other wrestlers you know, did that for their kids. I learned later, uh, which I just think is hilarious. <laughs> but, and as some kid would always, you know, say, well, is it fake? Is wrestling fake? And he would say, well, what do you, do you think wrestling's fake? And he would never say, you know, that it was never. Right. Right. Dusty's influence on wrestling and just his aura, his energy. What are your thoughts on the American dream persona and what he meant to wrestling. I think energy is a good word. I think that he had a, a big kind of light and not that, you know, he was perfect or that he didn't make mistakes or anything like that, but he was a very optimistic person at his core, very, um, you know, he believed in himself, he believed in other people, but he really kind of like you and I were talking before the, uh, before we started, he believed it was never too late. You know what I mean? That, you know, whatever your big dreams were that were out there, they were achievable. You know, it didn't matter if you were 40 or if you were 14 or if you were 84, he, he really did believe that. And he did kind of have, um, I want to say just a charisma about him and a humor that kind of translated um, in all facets of his life. There's a, um, there's a, there's a Twitter page and there's a, I think they're on Instagram too, called no context, dusty. And just some of the, (laughs) 
goodness it's like i chuckle now because i mean as a kid a lot of stuff just goes over your head but just yeah. looking back at it now i'm like this dude was so funny he yeah. and i don't think he, he was, was trying funny. hard he wasn't even trying hard to do it it was just as i said earlier i just felt his energy through the television that's what yeah. drew me to dusty Rhodes as a kid in the 80s when yeah. even before the hard times promo just the way he just carried himself you know what I mean? He wasn't he he wasn't wearing you know the 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 thousand dollar ten thousand dollar suits or anything like that. He was just the guy you could see walking down the street and he could relate to everybody. He was so relatable to everybody, and that's what made Dusty Rhodes just such a lovable person, character, everything in between. But in your estimation, being that you've knew, you you know him very well, obviously, what was the most misunderstood thing about Dusty? Oh, oh, wow. That could be um, danger zone. One of the things I think um, that he was misunderstood about was that he had some kind of hard feelings um, about, you know, kind of behind the scenes things that happened. Um, I also think, you know, people talk, talked a lot about his size, even in his death. It was, you know, it's the first or second line of every of it that you read was that he wasn't a, um, you know, Adonis or that, you know, he, you know, didn't look like the athlete, but really truthfully, none of those things bothered him. It was all just part of the persona of the American dream, not just in size, but, um, you know, kind of the silliness we talked about. He could be very funny and very silly, but um, he was a deeply thoughtful um creative intelligent person he was very smart indeed indeed and speaking of that intelligence you know once he was really behind the scenes and obviously i caught on to obviously i didn't know obviously as a kid that who was behind the scenes until later but yeah. all the things that crockett you know i remember watching one episode where the horseman did the hit on dusty and they filmed it and me and my grandmother literally got upset you know what i mean <laughs> i was just like well yeah you know Star, what I mean? It's just like yeah. all these other things. I know. Was, Terrible person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and they had the they had the audacity to film it, right? But did he ever think about or ever say anything to you or or to your mom or any or to your brothers or even to your sister about ever becoming a film director? Because looking back at all the stories yeah. that he was that you know that he was behind all the characters that he was he had he, every every person's career he had a hand in yeah he did he wanted to be a filmmaker he wanted to be a director an actor he had written a screenplay um you know and he would always go back to it and work on it I remember it was really dark um and you know I think it's set in a drawer forever but you know back then there really was kind of a stigma against wrestlers in mainstream mm. And, you know, he did later do some, um, you know, bit TV parts, you know, he always did commercials and things like that. But um, I, I do think had um, the industry been different, you know, maybe he would have been a director. But even in wrestling, he did consider himself, you know, uh, a director, a producer of of television, of, you know, episodic TV amazing i mean just again so many different stories i mean just his way of painting the picture even as an on-screen character 
you know, blew me away constantly. It always made you listen. You couldn't, in other words, thank goodness there was no what chance back then, but just being able to lean in and listen to every word that, that he said was, again, man, it was you, pe- younger fans, you have to have been there to understand. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's cool, though, that younger, um, we were talking about the documentary, that hopefully a new generation of young fans will discover him and go back and watch some of those old matches and clips, um, you know, and kind of see where, you know, some things began. Definitely. What was the biggest piece of advice that he gave you? We were talking about this the other day. Um, He was a big uh, be yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. to thine own self be true. He wrote it in my yearbook and, you know, he always wrote that. And, you know, he was a prolific writer of, notes and letters and love letters um to my mom and his kids but that was a big one and we were I was joking my husband the other day I was like maybe I've been myself too hard like maybe I've gone too hard in the just be yourself because I really was raised like that and when you have confidence early on um you know obviously you know you're gonna get kicked down and get humbled by life a little bit like once it's in you it's you know it's almost too late to care, you know? So I think that that for me was the biggest advice was just to be yourself, not to try to fit into other people's expectations or ideas about, you know, who you should be or what you should be doing. That's really, really good advice. Cause a lot of times people do listen to the wrong people, especially those that are, that shouldn't, they shouldn't even be giving advice. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And you're in, you know, uh, creative industries, you know, the feedback can be brutal. It can be rough. Very. So you kind of just have to, you know, you can't let that penetrate, you know, those deeper layers. Definitely. Definitely. Now let's talk about the A&E special. You know, like I said, I had an opportunity. I actually watched it as it happened, but I also watched it again, you know, right before I did this interview, because I really wanted to just get some of the things. Cause you know, sometimes when you watch something as it happens, that may be a little thing, a few things you may miss or anything like that, but I really wanted yeah, to it watch was it. Yeah. Very, very too. full. It was, um, it was full. Yeah. So let's talk about all the logistics involved. You know, how did it all come to be that uh, this, you know, documentary was going to happen on a and with WWE? Um, well, I wish I could say that it went very smoothly and that, um, it was, it, you know, a breeze, but, um, it wasn't, it was, um, we were very, you know, Cody being the executive producer, we really wanted to, you know, for the first time really be in charge of telling what we felt like was the truth. And that's not just the timeline of some things that happened in his life, getting that correct. But, um, you know, obviously there were some subjects that had been touched on, um, you know, personal family things that were kind of made to be a storyline in, uh, you know, the WWE that didn't necessarily go down exactly like that um, from the other side. And I think it was important not to perpetuate some some things that were kind of fictional that were part of, you know, a gold dust storyline or something like that. So that was a big hurdle. And then the other part was, um, you know, my mom opened up what we call the vault, which has, you know, all the clippings you saw, all the family photos, all his booking journals, um, 
all the writing, um, Rob, the director, Rob Liano did a great job, but you have a, you know, a family with a lot of personalities. Each person has their own version of Dusty. So I think just the kind of weight of all that, he probably felt heavily because it was a lot to just sort through just, you know, from all the stuff we had from his whole career. This episode of the DLU podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the d podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. Right. And the one thing that um that touched me the most was Dustin's story in yeah. relation to Dusty, because in a way I lived the same way. I had the same experience with my dad, because my dad was also an entertainer. My dad sang with the drifters. Right. And I only saw my dad maybe six months out of the year. But even I'm really giving my kind of a little behind the curtain on my my story. But it was just I always wanted that, you know, relationship with my dad. And then connection. Right. Yeah. Physical. Physical. Right. And then and then eventually when I was nine, my dad left. He went like 5000 miles away and I didn't see him for 10 years. And oh wow, I didn't see him for 10 years. And the part where Dusty and Dustin had re- reconciled in Jacksonville. Yeah, which, Barry Windham. Yeah, with I, Barry Windham. And yeah, I always I always give um Barry credit because I don't know that Dustin there was so that had gone on for so long. You know, Dustin was the one who disengaged from that relationship and he had right. his own reasons, you know, right. which they, you know, are are well treaded in wrestling about yeah. their fallout. But um you know, I don't know if he would have spoken to him at that point. And, um, you know, those were certainly, um, you know, it was hard to relive on screen for sure, because those were, you know, those were sad years for sure. Right. And it was so when so when Dustin, like when he really told his story, it pulled at me like, oh, my God. And the yeah. t- and the city where me and my dad reconciled. Guess where it was at? Jacksonville. Oh, Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow! My grand when my when his mom, my grandmother had passed away, and that was the first time I had seen him in ten years. So when that story was told, I was just like, "Oh my god!" And it was just yeah. like, "Okay." It, it was it was one of those things where it's like, you know what? We're all human. Yeah, yeah, and you can't give up on relationships that are important to you, you know. But it's a you know it's a two way street, you know. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Take both people, yeah. In depth, like so. So once everything was, you know, put together, you know, as far as Andy was concerned, what was the mo- what was what was I guess for you 
personally, what was the most, what was the highlight of filming that whole entire project? Um, it really did, um, you know, we were able to um, to heal from it. It was the highlight for me was showing it to my kids because, um, you know, they remember him, but they were, um, especially my youngest, quite small when he passed away. Oh, so man. I do like to see those interviews of him where he's, you know, himself, where he's not giving a promo, where he's just talking. Um, and it's so special that my kids and his other grandkids and now um, Dakota just had a great grandchild mm -hmm. that they'll be able to know him that way. They can't know him physically, but we have all this great footage and this kind of great um, family story. And then the other highlight was obviously highlighting um, the Dusty Foundation. Yes. And that was going to be my next next question for you so let's yeah. talk about it so the, the dusty foundation i'll just give a a, an, a, br a very brief um description of it obviously dealing with yeah. youth sports all around the country and you know people can donate money to you know i guess underprivileged you know it's, it's some some areas where they need the funding you know what i mean obviously yeah. when you're running a football team baseball whatever it is it costs money for uniforms equipment you know, yes. etc. You know, you know, travel, travel. Oh my God, yeah, everything. So, let's talk about how it was discovered. Whose idea was it? And just give us the whole everything about the Dusty Rose Foundation. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, um, when he passed, we, um, my siblings and I, my mom, we had agreed we wanted to do something. One of the touching things after he passed was um, people gave you know, to a children's hospital and his and people were very generous um, after his passing, you know, and they did things like that. And we thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we had some kind of way to honor him, um, you know, through something that he loved. And I think I had the idea of it being sports and that was kind of like a no brainer, but we didn't get started with it until later um, when we really felt like we could all kind of have a hand in it. And, um, he was such a big believer, um, not only that youth sports, you know, would keep kids out of trouble, which we know it does, right. but that, it, you know, it builds life skills and that you are exposed to maybe people that are different from you. And, you know, you get to be a part of a team and you learn, you just learn a lot of life skills, you know, playing sports. But unfortunately, with just the kind of rise of cost in everything and the kind of rise of these kind of one sports, you know, families are specializing in one sport when the kid is really small and doing, you know, these really expensive travel programs. Right. Well, not, not every kid can play in those leagues and play travel ball and, you know, those kind of things. And we just think that, you know, if we can help, um, you know, it's from local little leagues to high school sports to middle school sports you know, where we can make a difference really is in those um, areas that there's just kind of, they've just been kind of missed or they have a really specific need. Like um, you mentioned equipment. It is so expensive, sports mm. equipment. I mean, a football right. helmet, it's great that football helmets are so much, you know, better now and they're safer. But I want to say, you know, they're anywhere from 500 to $1,000 per helmet. Easy. So um, we're just looking to fill those gaps. 
Got it. Got it. Now, where can people find, we'll talk about more in just a second. So where yeah. can people go to, whether they want to read up about it, they want to donate money or anything yeah. of the sort, where can they go for more information? Okay. So you can follow us on Instagram at the Dusty Foundation and, um, or the Dusty Roads Foundation, excuse me, on Instagram. And that I update, we do a lot of signings um, at, you know, some of the comic cons, you know, we've done StarCast. Um, I have a, you know, we have something cooking for um, SummerSlam in Detroit. For really? Yes. And um, we also have the website, which is www.dustyroadsfoundation.org. And that is where the links are. You can donate, you can give a one-time donation, or you can, um, you know, make it recurring. The only fees that we've taken are just basically what PayPal, you know, what they take. Right. Um, we've given everything away so far. We've also had a lot of really generous um, people involved. Like, you know, Sean Spears, he's donated all his signing you know, all his travel, everything like that when he does signings for us. So we have people that just really believe in um, what we're doing. And we've been really lucky. Um, you know, after the doc aired, we got a ton of donations and we're still kind of um, writing some checks and um, spreading some of that new um, money out right now. And that's really exciting. It's, a, it's good because like, for example, like Snoop Dogg, Snoop, like he has the youth, the youth football. He does huge football. So, so um, him and my dad, and it's so funny that him and Cody would work together later on Go Big Show. But, um, you know, he was a fan of my dad's and my dad was a fan of his. But I think one of the things they had in common was, you know, um, Snoop built up that huge youth sports um, football, I believe in Long Beach. Yeah. Those um, programs there. And, you know, the Dusty was a, you know, football coach here. Um, I think he coached for seven or eight seasons here in the Atlanta area. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely big football connection there. Yeah, because I was going to say that there's been so many people that has actually been drafted to the NFL that played in yeah. football. I think Juju Smith-Schuster was one of the players, one of From the kids that program. played. Yeah. So, I mean, Isn't that great? it's amazing to hear that because a lot of times, you know, you see Snoop Dogg, the, the entertainer and all sorts of things, but the fact that he's really making an impact in the community and using yeah. sports as a vehicle to bring kids in and to make them be become their, the better version of themselves. Then we sure. tie into the dusty Rose foundation and you have that same mindset. And I think it's a beautiful thing because now Knowing, because I didn't even know that Dusty Rose even coached sports. I mean, I knew he was a, I knew he played football. I know he went yeah. to, and as a, I'm a Patriots fan, so that I, I heard he, he on the Steve Austin show back in 2013. Yeah, to camp. He went to camp with the Patriots. We still have the, he still had the invitation in a scrapbook. Um, and that was part of, of all the stuff that we had to go through for the doc. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. So that, again, it's amazing. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, Dusty Rose, DustyRoseFoundation.org. Give whatever that you can. Like I said, it's, it's for the kids. You know what I mean? It's for yes, the kids. And we will keep people updated um, via both the website and the Instagram on where we sent the money. So you can follow along that way. So there's some transparency there. But I also, um, I just forgot, but I wanted to say um, one thing and I forgot what it was. Uh, but um, 
But yes, we appreciate any any donations and they are going to a, a great cause. And um, we've got some, you know, merch now for sale via PWTs and um, stuff like that on the uh, foundation website as well. Great, great, great. Let's talk about some current WWE stuff. I happen to be oh, in Los Angeles okay. covering WrestleMania. I was a part of the media and I and and I realized I said, oh my God, Teal's at ringside. And I was just, I was completely I was like, yeah. oh, okay, this is gonna be great. Well, we were in a box and then they moved us down for Cody's match. And um, you know, SoFi is such a beautiful stadium, but it being is. down in the center of that, I mean, that was such a huge crowd. It was really like being at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, you couldn't hear any sound down there during the match. It was wild. And I was going to ask you, what was it like seeing your little brother take that walk down the uh, down that ramp, being in the main event of WrestleMania? Yeah. Rep- well, the the first mean, roads the, to main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. You can see in the pictures that uh, he put on his Instagram that I was like, oh, my God, please don't put that picture because I'm crying in the picture because I was. It was very emotional. Right when he came down and um, I saw him and Libby was with us, my cousin um, who works for WWE, he's there ringside, our cousin Berkeley. So mm-hmm. it was just really emotional. And of course, I thought about my dad and kind of um, that moment too. But really, it was more about Cody and this kind of um, this amazing, you know, will not to give up on this this dream he had you know which was to be a main eventer you know and obviously he didn't win the big one but you know we're still we're still after it we're still going but yeah it was a really special moment i think you know i'll always always remember it as a fan i was extremely proud but most importantly just at just being in the business and just i mean i'm in a i'm in the press box just seeing him and it was just like man like I, I still remember when he debuted in 07, teaming up with Hardcore Holly. And now yeah. he is, he's the yeah. guy. And I was at the Superstore and I'm seeing all his merch. As a matter of fact, shout out to my friend, um, Scott Marshman and um, and his husband, John. Their son, um, their their son um, is a huge Cody fan. And oh, they yeah. asked me to, to, I was like, who is this? Oh, look, Cody, I got him a Cody shirt and I sent it back to uh, to Jersey. So shout oh, out nice. to, uh, to John and Scott. You know, I definitely yes, wanted to, sure. to do that. And again, that was that was a that was a, an incredible, incredible week. So give us one funny dusty story. Like if it's like oh just one of the ones that you can say, oh man, this is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, there's so many. We joke all the time, but um we my I have a 15 year old daughter, so we're teaching her to drive, and I joke, um you know, my dad taught me to drive. I'm not teaching her. My husband's teaching her. And anyway, my dad had this giant F-350 dually diesel Ford pickup truck. It had like lights on the top. At night, it looked like a spaceship coming. I mean, it was just so obnoxiously big. And I went to take, he made me take my driving, my driver's road test in that truck. And I didn't even make it off uh, out of the parking lot. I had hit so many cones that they didn't even let me out of the thing. And he wasn't in the car. He's standing out there okay. you know, with other people waiting for their kid to be tested. And he just laughed and laughed. He thought it was so, he thought it was hilarious. 
And I was so upset. I was like, I'm never going to be able to drive. And I think it was a rib. I think he did it on purpose. He was a huge practical joker. And, you know, like a couple days later, um, we borrowed like a neighbor's little, you know, two door sports car. And I took it in that and I passed and it was fine. But I think that he would, he just thought it was funny. I think he was like, yeah, well, she'll take it in this. (laughs) Got it. Got it. What does it mean to you and the family that Dusty is to this day so beloved by millions? Well, I mean, it's it's such a high honor that people um, still regard him so highly and still hold him in their hearts. You know, people that grew up watching him, um, like you were saying, I think you mentioned your grandma. You know, those memories of watching wrestling with people that you love when you're a kid, they just stayed with a lot of people. And even now when people... Um, you know, meet us or meet my kids, um, you know, they want to shake our hand or, or say something kind. And it really does mean a lot to us. And it certainly has lifted me up um, in times where I felt, um, you know, like I was really missing him. So it's just, we just feel so grateful. Yeah. I remember when, um, I can't remember which WrestleMania it was, but they unveiled the statue of Dusty. Yeah, I was in Dallas. It was pretty, I think it was just the, that year after he passed, um, the, that they did that. And I mean, it's, it's a huge honor. Indeed. I actually, I think the only time I ever saw him wrestle actually live was in Philly at Survivor Series 2006. Wow. Yeah. Stuff in Philly. Philly's. He, he teamed up with Flair, Ron Simmons, and I forget another legend. They were, they were facing the spirit squad. That was the only time I ever saw Dusty oh, wrestle. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, that was definitely a cameo. But um, yeah, I mean, at least you got to see him, you know, you know. Definitely. With, so when he when he was obviously in Florida at NXT and when you see all of his kids, you know, as they say, Dusty's kids, as you're seeing, you know, like Roman Reigns, you're seeing Mox, when you're seeing Seth Rollins, when you're seeing, you know, Bailey, Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Becky Lynch. Every single person that he had his his thumbprint on, his fingerprints on. Yeah. What does it mean to you seeing them flourish as they are? Well, I think they did the hard work. They all had something special in them are already, but um Dusty was great at, you know, at taking someone who is maybe a little rough and giving them some confidence. And I think that sometimes that's what the best teachers do. They know when you need um to be pushed and when maybe you uh, need, you know, a kind word. And I think that um, that was part of those coaching skills that he had. He was a good coach and he, you know, he cared a lot about um, his NXT kids. And I always hype up the girls because everybody hypes up the guys, but um, that core group of girls, you know, Sasha, Bailey, um, Lana, Summer, I mean, there was a lot of female talent that, um, he, I even seen his notes, you know, he would say, you know, don't release her, you know, give her a little more time or, you know, she, she's going to be a big star. And I know he did that with um, some of the guys, you know, whose names come up a lot, but I feel like those women were really a, just to their own credit, a huge turning point in um, how the business sees women as draws as, in the box office, but also, you know, how, you know, they really leveled the playing field in the back. 
Yeah, and think about this. WrestleMania 35's main event featured two of Dusty's kids in the main event, Charlotte and Becky Lynch. Yes, and he, um, he, I know um, that he thought a lot about, about both of them, very highly. Definitely. Well, before we get out of here, if you can plug your social media and everything that you have going on, please, the floor is yours. Yeah, so you can always find me talking about wrestling at on Twitter at Teal Margaret. And again, you can find us at the Dusty Foundation, the Dusty Roads Foundation on Instagram and the website, the Dusty Roads Foundation.org. And um, we've got some exciting um, SummerSlam um, news and signings benefiting the foundation um, coming up really soon, maybe in the next couple weeks. Well, Teal, again, it's an honor, like I said, and a privilege to have you on the D-Loop podcast. Yes, and thank you for having me. Uh, I'm glad that we finally got a little um, FaceTime. Yes, we did. And um, thank you so much for coming on. And um, we'll definitely be talking soon. Awesome. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the DLU podcast. Once again, I want to thank Teal Rose for taking the time, you know, out of her extremely busy schedule to come talk to us, you know, on the show. And I wish her all the best of what she continues to do with the Dusty Rhodes Foundation. Guys, there's a docuseries I want you all to check out. It's on Apple TV and it's called Monster Factory. I'm actually featured in it. And it actually talks about five of our wrestlers and it highlights a lot of the things that that was going on in their lives, how they got into the business, you know, training and all these different aspects of their lives. And it's, it's deeper than pro wrestling. So I urge you, if you have an Apple TV subscription, if you haven't watched it, please take the time out and binge this 4th of July weekend. Check it out. I guarantee you, your perspective about pro wrestling will change if you're not a fan. And if you're not an Apple TV subscriber, heck, there's free trials out there. Make sure you check out Monster Factory on Apple TV. You can hit up my store. Of course, you can go to shop.derricktlewis.com where you can get some really cool tees and hoodies. Also, my social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at TheRealDTLou. And you can also go to Facebook, Derek T. Lewis official page. Now, there's a cool podcast you're listening to right now. If you haven't subscribed, I urge you to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. So if you're on, if you're on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, whichever platform that you're on, hit that subscribe button so you're always getting new content from the D-Loop Podcast, okay? Well, we're going to get out of here, and I wish you all an incredible 4th of July uh, holiday weekend. Stay safe out there. And like I always say, no matter what you do in life, always remember to make it count. See you next time.